Welcome to the Vacation Effect Podcast, where we discuss time and lifestyle hacks for the busy entrepreneur, helping you grow your business even faster by working less and having a lot more fun. Now, here's your host, Denise Gosnell. Welcome back to the Vacation Effect Podcast. This is your host, Denise Gosnell, and today I've got a special guest, Michael Ferguson, who's going to chat with me about the fun topic of travel. And even when you aren't able to travel, there are so many cool things you can do to have virtual travel experiences from the comfort of your own home. And we're going to talk a lot about that with Michael today, as well as how to plan staycations, finding those hidden gems in your own backyard that you can go to without having to spend a lot of money. And then also how to plan trips, um, you know, the larger trips or the bigger trips away from home and how to make the most of those experiences when you have them. I'm really excited about this conversation, and let me give you a quick background on Michael before we jump in. So Michael Ferguson is a lifelong traveler and is the author of the book, Leave Me Alone, I'm On Vacation, as well as the founder of TravelYourWayToday.com. Michael travels often, both for work and for pleasure, and has traveled extensively around North America and Europe. In July of 2015, Michael added Africa to his journeys as he traveled with his wife and niece to Tanzania where they enjoyed a safari, and Michael trekked to the summit of Mount Kilimanjaro. Michael continues to be a lifelong traveler who loves to explore and experience diverse cultures and destinations. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Michael. I'm excited to talk to you. Thank you, Denise. Yeah, so I always like to tell the backstory of how I meet someone. Uh, Michael and I both uh, just recently met at an event called New Media Summit, it's a podcasting event um, hosted by Steve Olsher where you get to meet other fellow podcasters or people that want to appear on podcasts because they have a story to tell. And Michael, what I really like about your story is that you share the same love of travel that I do. And so I'm really excited for us to, to chat more about some of those details. I think you've got some great advice to share with people. Thank you. I'm eager to share it. Yeah. And so Michael has the, the travel blog, travelyourwaytoday.com, and also the book, Leave Me Alone, I'm on Vacation. I love that title, by the way. That's a great title. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. yeah. It's, it sort of basically summarizes my travel philosophy. And when I started out, I was thinking about, you know, what makes a good travel experience? And I realized, at least for me, being somewhat introverted, it's being away from people when I travel and getting away from the crowds. And I thought, you know, that'd be a great topic for a book and maybe something that could I could use to help other people have similar experiences to myself. And so I ended up publishing the book about a year ago, and I've uh, started building a business around the philosophy of the book called uh, Travel Your Way. Cool. Well, I look forward to digging deeper into that as well. And you know, so one of the things that I would love to talk with you about today, a lot of people are at home right now having to work from home or not working at all and stuck at home because, you know, there's a sh uh, the pandemic shutting down a lot of businesses right now or, you know, making everything virtual. So a lot of people are not able to travel around the world as, as easily right now. But what I thought would be great would be for us to talk about the timeless principles of how to have virtual travel experiences and staycations and, you know, how to bring the love of travel into your life, no matter what's going on in the world. So are you game to talk about some of that with me? Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Okay, cool. So, you know, let's start with virtual travel experiences. What is a virtual travel experience and how can people take advantage of that? 
Well, virtual, it's like anything else that's virtual. You basically enjoy the experience while at home uh, on your computer without having to actually physically go anywhere. And um, for some people, this, you know, ends up being a necessity. You know, it's maybe at the moment they just don't have the resources or time to go travel as much as they do, but they still love learning about new places. And, um, you know, the amazing thing about the internet revolution is that is so very easy to do now. I mean, in the old days, you just have to pick up like a, a travel book with pictures and that was your virtual experience. And now there's um, some great tools out there and I'll go ahead and share one or two that I like to use. My biggest one is Google Earth. Um, I'm sure most of you are maybe somewhat familiar with it, but it's basically a big platform that uses satellite imagery to explore the Earth. And you can zoom in on any place on the Earth and it's got all kinds of layers. So you can turn on layers showing specific aspects of a place, um, including pictures. So these are crowdsourced pictures that you can click on and see the place. And uh, a lot of cities have things called uh, street view, where you can literally jump into the street and walk around a city virtually or a site or even a museum and experience that place from the comfort of your own home. And um, even though maybe you physically can't travel there right now, you can at least get some sense of what it's like. And I think it ties also into another important thing right now, and that's developing your bucket list. So once you have the time and resources freed up, you can take what you've learned uh, exploring virtually and turn that into an actual bucket list of places you really want to go. And then you can prioritize your actual physical travel around that list. In fact, I've been using Google Earth to put little... Uh, there are these little uh, yellow pins you can put all over the world, and I've been using that to create my personal uh, bucket list that, uh, you know, of course, you engage in a conversation with me. I'd love to share with you or even make recommendations based on my bucket list of places to see if you're planning on taking a trip to a specific location. Yeah, and thank you for that reference, the point of reference to Google Earth, because I want to stop right there and dig deeper into that, because I think that's really important that a lot of people have forgotten about or don't realize it even exists. So what we're talking about here, what Michael is sharing is the fact that Google Earth has really powerful uh, capability for you to actually feel like you're at the place, you know, that you can travel to Paris or, the, you know, to Egypt or anywhere around the world. And so what you're saying, Michael, is there's different layers that you can turn on to show different kinds of things in that scene that has been crowdsourced. So it might be photos or other things that are part of the video that you're then like virtually walking through the, the town. But then Street View, that's my favorite is Street View to actually be able to like walk down the street and see what it's like. My husband and I use that sometimes when we're trying to decide on, um, you know, w whether to buy a piece of real estate or like whenever we are about to go somewhere to a certain city, I'll use Street View to see what other kind of stores are around the hotel we're staying at just to get a feel for it ahead of time. But I love what you're saying here about how you could travel the world this way if you don't have the, the budget or if you're at home right now and you're not able to travel because of something like a shutdown, like what we're experiencing right now. Did I capture that accurately? Yeah, I think that was perfect. And okay, it, great. Well, and It's a very powerful tool. And one of, the, one of the most interesting things I even discovered is um, it doesn't only have images of the Earth, but you can actually get maps of the moon and Mars, believe it or not. So if you want to explore wow. celestial bodies, you can even do that with Google 
earth as well. Well, that's really cool. Well, and, and you also mentioned museums. So does Google Earth have museums in it as well? I, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it does have a layer. Um, I, I, do, I do recall there's an icon that shows up that uh, shows museums specifically. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm positive it does, and it shows up as like a little M or something along those lines. You just have to go into the toolbar and make sure you're, you're showing the correct layer. But for museums, another um, valuable site also by Google that I, I only just discovered because I've gotten these posts uh, talking about virtual museum experiences um, across social media um, is something called Google Arts and Culture. And I've only had a chance to briefly look at it, but apparently Google has just pulled together a whole bunch of virtual content from museums. And when I say museums, I mean world famous museums like the British Museum in London or the Musée d'Orsay in Paris or the Pergamon Museum in Berlin or the Guggenheim in New York. I mean, these world famous museums that um, you can see virtually by going onto this uh, Google site. And it, it looks like they also pull on a, a virtual or a variety of virtual methods. Uh, you mentioned Street View. So imagine, you know, instead of doing a street view of an actual street, you're just doing a street view of a museum where you're walking between exhibits and looking at works of art and artifacts inside the museum as a street view. And that's what they seem to have been able to pull together. Gotcha. Well, thank you for mentioning that. I'll have to check that out. I'm familiar with Google Earth and I've used that before, but I've not checked out Google Arts and Culture. And we'll also include a link to that in the show notes uh, to both of those so people can check those out. And you know, Michael, what this also reminds me of is Peloton. Um, I have the Peloton app. I just bought a Peloton bike and um, you don't have to be have a Peloton bike in order to have a Peloton monthly uh, workout subscription, but they have these... Um, virtual scenes all around the world. Like I can pick to ride through Bavaria or to jog through Bavaria. Like you could put it on your iPad and, you know, put it on whatever exercise equipment you already have. You don't have to have a Peloton bike or treadmill in order to use this, but they literally like make you feel like you're walking or riding through these neighborhoods and amazing places all around the world. So, um, you know, or virtual. Uh, so that's just another great example of how to travel virtually and feel like you're there. Yeah, yeah, especially for outdoor enthusiasts. Like if you are on a, a bike or a treadmill, um, you can pretend you're actually doing a hike. And I think some of these are even sophisticated enough that it simulates the terrain. So it'll adjust things like the pitch of the treadmill to conform with what's happening on the virtual trail that you're hiking. Yeah, I, I don't think mine does, but I have heard of some of them that will do that. So that's really cool. So yeah, so I just wanted to get people thinking about this idea of you can still travel from the comfort of your own home. Like, you know, what Michael's talking about these virtual museums and these different virtual experiences where you can see the world or even the moon and Mars. I mean, like we don't have to confine ourselves to leaving the house in order to feel these experiences. So I hope that people, you know, really take advantage of this. Um, I'd love to talk more about... Um, staycations as well. Um, so from your perspective, you know, what is a staycation? I have my own definition, but I want to hear yours. And, and then how can people take advantage of that as well? Well, I guess my simplest definition of a staycation would be where you travel within basically a, a day trip from your house. So meaning you're not staying 
at a hotel in a different city, but you're simply either walking or biking or getting into your car, most likely, and, and driving to another place and then coming back home. Um, so it, it really is about exploring your, your local environment. And a, a lot of the times I find that, um, you know, and I'm, I'm guilty of this too, is that a lot of people have no idea what kind of cool things there are to see within their very own city or, you know, town or whatever. You know, you might have um, something like a local museum um, or some wonderful hiking trails and parks. And, you know, you just don't normally think of these because when you go on vacation, you think, well, I'm going to go to some other city and see some cool stuff and not realizing that there's actually a lot of cool stuff you can see within an easy drive uh, of your own house. Yeah, I think this is such an important idea to talk about because one of the things that I, I talk about in my um, Vacation Effect curriculum with my clients um, is about this idea of someday maybes. And I talked about that a little bit in my uh, presentation at New Media Summit that you saw. So just to remind listeners, you know, the someday, when I say someday maybes, I'm talking about all those things that you say someday maybe when I have more time, I'll get around to that. Someday when I have more time, I'll travel more. Someday when I have more money, I'll travel more or whatever the case may be. It's like all those things we put off, these delayed gratification that we put off that may never happen if we don't find some way to bring them into the, to, into the now. So I'm always you know, um, uh, recommending like find a way to either bring them into the now in some way of whatever you can afford and whatever resources you have access to, access to or let them go and just be real with yourself. You're never going to do them. If you want them enough to do them, if you want them badly enough, you'll figure out a way to do them now in whatever means you have. So back to this idea of a staycation and virtual travel, either well, either one, even if you don't have the money to take that cruise around the world or that expensive five-star trip that you've always dreamed of, or you can't now because you're not able to even leave the house, you can still travel in your own local community um, you know, assuming, of course, that those places are open at that time, on a, but on a shoestring budget. That's what you're saying, right, Michael? You can staycations, you get find the fascinating places that are right in your backyard that you didn't even realize were there. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. And, um, you know, given the current situation where people are encouraged to stay at home, um, I don't know how it is where you are, because our response has been somewhat local to the state. But I, I read very carefully through what our governor issued a couple of days ago on you know, what stay at home means and what essential activities are that you're allowed to do under this stay at home law. And um, one, of the, one of the ones that really jumped out at me was the fact that going out and doing outdoor recreation was considered an essential activity, meaning that it is not healthy to stay in your house uh, day after day after day without going outside and getting some sunlight and getting some exercise. And um, I do know that uh, at least in, in Colorado where I live, they've been doing their best to keep open spaces open so people can go out and enjoy um, nature and enjoy these wonderful places as long as they you know, practice good common sense with, uh, you know, not getting too close to each other. And, you know, the tricky thing is some of these places have had to unfortunately close because they're, they're, let me just put it this way, they're way too popular. And so people swarm to them and they realize they can't, you know, they can't allow people to practice the, the protocols they need to. And so they sadly have to close them. So I think it's also 
a good point that uh, you know you should try to get out and uh, be aware of kind of what you you're allowed to do and uh, take every advantage, especially now, to get out and see some of the wonderful things outside in your hometown or city. Yeah, and can you give us some tips on how to go about discovering the hidden gems in in our own local areas? Do you have certain websites you go to whenever you you know or that you recommend other people check out in order to figure that out like how do we find those gold nuggets well it's i don't know i I don't really have this like magic formula i i basically just go to places like my local chamber of commerce or local uh city website usually those local websites will have uh some kind of link to local recreational activities and you can use that as one resource. Another is, um, I mentioned Google Earth and uh, even Google Maps, which people use to find directions. Simply go onto those tools, zoom into your uh, home city or town, and just start looking around. And then, you know, things might pop up like, oh, there's a museum I haven't seen before. Or, um, you know, and I guess museums aren't a good example at the moment, but um, open spaces. And, oh, I, I almost forgot. Um, another big tool that I use is a tool by REI called Hiking Project. And this is an app you can download to your, your mobile phone. And the great thing about this is, um, as I mentioned, it's sponsored by REI. Um, it's a crowdsourced uh, application which takes in all of these local trails uh, by geography and by state. And what you do is you download the app and you click on, say, Colorado, and then it'll pull in literally hundreds, if not thousands, of trails within Colorado onto your phone. And it also provides maps where you can, well, well what it does is it, it cross references your location on GPS. So let's say I wanted to hike the bar trail up Pikes Peak, I could find the trail on the app. And then um, the nice thing, too, is it gives directions like, you know, how do you park, where you park, et cetera. And then as I start hiking the trail, I can have my um, phone with me with the app on, and it will show where I am on the trail. And, and the great thing, too, is because it's downloaded all these maps in advance, I don't need a cell phone signal. So if you're hiking a little bit more in the backwoods where there's no cell coverage, the mapping app still will work, and it will show a little blue dot where you are relative to the trail so you can tell if you're still you know on the trail and going the right direction so for outdoor hiking in particular i use this uh um hiking project app quite a bit cool that's a great recommendation thank you for that um yeah and i love your idea of using google maps or google earth to just explore what's in your own backyard and or in the areas that you have easy access to and to use that to help you plan your your staycations or, you know, even just for the virtual travel experience while you're doing it, like you can combine the two together, I think really well. And I loved what you said earlier about using this uh, methodology to expand your travel bucket list that, you know, why not take the the virtual travel experience um, to help plan out the places you really want to go in person? Because if you end up doing the the virtual tour of, of a certain area and you're like, you know, it didn't really light me up. Maybe I don't really want to go there. I didn't really feel it when I was um, you know, walking through that virtually and it didn't really seem like something I wanted to go see. So, you know, save your money and put it towards something else that does light you up. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. So, 
I think you can kind of do it in two different ways. One is you target specific places you want to go. You might say, oh, I've always wanted to go to Paris. And so then you populate a bucket list of all the things you want to see in Paris, like the Eiffel Tower and the Louvre and um, the you know, Notre Dame Cathedral and all these wonderful places. And then the other piece of it is, let's say um, you are on business, uh, I mean, let's say you're an entrepreneur and a speaker and you're traveling to, I don't know, Chicago. And um, what you can do with your bucket list, especially if you capture it in an app like uh, Google Earth, is you can say, okay, um, I'm going to Chicago to give a little um, presentation. What's in Chicago that I've identified in my bucket list that I've said I've wanted to see? And then you can pull up Google Earth with all of your populated um, uh, little uh, pin, what are they called, the yellow stickies or whatever, and uh, say, ah, these are all the things in Chicago that I previously identified on my bucket list that I would like to see. And then that allows you to focus on those things when you have some time around uh, your business or yeah, your business related travel. Cool. Yeah, that's a great idea. I, I just, I love that idea of keeping track of bucket list in Google Earth and then, you know, making the, dropping the pins and or making the, making the comments about that. And, you know, I, I don't really have a systematic way that I do that now. I've been to over 65 countries around the world, but um, I just kind of have in one note, I just a different list of research that I've done of different places I'd like to go. But I'm looking forward to trying out your idea of actually putting that into Google Earth and you know, kind of putting the annotations in there and then experiencing it in advance. Like, you know, why put off those someday maybes until later when there's part of it you can experience now? It's joy we can have today. Like, I don't have to wait till Sunday I'm in that city to get a feel for what it's like. I could see it right now and then go visit it later in, when I actually go to that city. But I just, I think this is a great idea, Michael. I appreciate you sharing it. Yeah, and on the staycation, uh, I, another thought came to me as you can basically become part of the solution to other people's bucket lists. And, uh, and, you know, if you're willing to, what you can do is become in the next, you know, months, um, an expert in your town or city. Like I could become an expert in Colorado Springs, Colorado. So what you can do is you can join with a community of other travel people and become the local expert. And that way, you can be a resource to other people, particularly in your local area. So once the travel restrictions free up and everyone can move freely, um, you can serve as a valuable resource uh, to basically the broader travel community as well. Yeah. And so for the entrepreneurs that are listening to this, if travel is a passion of yours, then that's something to consider as, you know, one of your hobbies of, you know, being a local guide if you wanted to do that for fun. So, um, you know, and I'm all about helping you free up more free time while your business continues to grow where you, you don't have to be in it all the time. So just another idea to consider there. Um, so Michael, I'd love to talk about, cause you know, it, it, there's going to be a point in time people are listening to this in the future where, you know, the pandemic is a distant memory, like, and I hope that that's <laughs> really, really soon. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. so, you know, so let's talk about travel, like typical travel that, you know, we've experienced before. Um, can you tell me about your experiences with the benefits of traveling solo versus traveling with the group? I'd love to, to get your thoughts on that. Well, I would have to say that I, I generally prefer traveling either solo or with maybe one or two other people. Um, and um, for me, it's really a preference based on my personality. One thing 
when I started out with the concept of leave me alone, I'm on vacation, was um, personality types. I mean, I, I thought about, well, what is it about me that makes me want to travel alone? And then what I did is I read a whole bunch of books about personality types. And I learned about the whole introversion, extroversion scale. And um, it's you can take tests on this, like the Myers-Briggs, and there's lots of on, free online tests you can take if you're curious. But the thing that surprised me, first of all, was that these tests uh, gave very, very consistent results. I, I could find results from when I was 12, and I took one like in school, and then when I was a little older in college, and then took one more recently. And it seems like these person, even though your life experiences change you significantly, these um, tests really reveal very consistent personality traits. And what I learned about people who are introverts versus extroverts is a lot of it has to do with how they recharge, meaning, and it has nothing to do with your vocation, whether you're socially awkward or, you know, shy. I mean, that has absolutely, believe it or not, nothing to do with introversion, extroversion. It has to do with, okay, when you're done with your day's activities and you want to recharge, do you want to, A, go away and read a book and not let have anyone bother you or talk to you? Or B, go out to a club and dance the night away. Now, I'm just giving a couple of extreme examples um, to sort of prove a point here. But uh, with travel, um, the reason why lots of people travel is because they want to recharge. And for some people, it's uh, going to the hottest night spots in a city and being around lots of people and lots of socializing. That would be extroverts. Um, for people who are more introverted, like myself, it has more to do with um, being able to just be in a place and experience it without the distraction of other people overstimulating you with you know noise and you know everything else. So, for me, the benefit of of traveling alone is I can just be in a place and experience what it is. And, and another thing, too, is when I travel, it's not that I just want to be absolutely alone. Sometimes I do. But I also like experiences where you can meet local people, you know, sort of one-on-one -on -one and just learn about, you know, how they live and what they do. Um, and, and it's not as, I'll just say, like clinical as, say, doing like a bus tour where, you know, they take you on a bus tour to a city in a foreign country and you're kind of like in this fishbowl and you're looking out and you're not really interacting with anybody and you're just getting this very superficial experience. So part of it for me also is making sure I can have a deeper experience. Um, and that also is helped by having fewer people distracting me. Yeah, that's, I, I could totally see that. And you make a good point. It's like a lot of it, whether it's small group or traveling with a group, or, you know, whether alone or just with two or three people or with a bigger group is for you really depends upon your own personality type. And, you know, for me, I've done both and I enjoy both for different reasons and for different circumstances, depending on what I want to accomplish. Like I tend to prefer traveling with just my family, with my husband and daughter, um, you know, for the most part, because I loved, I, because I love travel planning so much. Um, I like the experience of actually figuring it all out myself and building my own itinerary and being able to do what we want to do on a whim. And if we find something else interesting, we can deviate from the itinerary if we want to. And like, we have total control over that. But I've also traveled with some incredible groups over the years 
where if you just wanted a whirlwind to see a city in a, a certain amount of time, like a week or two weeks or three weeks, and you wanted them to like take the burden off of you, you just show up and they take you everywhere and you get to know some people you've never met before. Like that's also group travel is great for that. Like Brendan Vacations, for example, did a marvelous job taking my family through, um, uh, Ireland for three weeks. Like they had an incredible itinerary. They took us to amazing places. And we met a group of 20 other people that were just incredible. And I still remember them to this day and the stories and the memories we had together. But when I go back to Ireland, I'm going to do it by myself with my family, just three of us, you know, and we'll, um, we'll have a different experience, but both were good. So would you agree with that assessment or, um, you know, just, it depends on your personality type and what your objective is. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I think it really has to do with discovering what kind of traveler you are. And, you know, part of that is just by going out and traveling and learning, okay, I had this one experience and, you know, it was just too, it wasn't what I wanted. Maybe it was a little too crowded or, or whatever, but um, you know, you were able to discover Denise that traveling with a smaller group can also be very, very enjoyable. And I, I happen to agree with that. I mean, when I, went to um, Tanzania five years ago and climbed Kilimanjaro. It was with a smaller group. I think it was only maybe 10 people. And uh, we were led by a gentleman who had climbed to all of the uh, tallest points of all of the continents, including Mount Everest. And um, so that was a, a life-changing experience for me. And um, the other wonderful thing was the fact that I was able to interact with lots of local people um, and it was, and it was relatively, you know, easy to do. Um, and it's kind of like you have to balance, um, it, it's good to have a guide in certain countries where you don't know the local culture or language because, you know, it's, some people are a little bit more adventurous than others, I guess, and just kind of jumping into the deep end. But it's also nice to have a local person with you to just kind of show you around and, and kind of help keep you well, for one thing, safe and also to have a good experience and also someone you can kind of bond with because they, they know the local culture. Yeah, that's that's a, such an important point. I'm glad you mentioned that because I don't know about you, but one of my favorite travel apps um, for booking different local guides and things is uh, Viator. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's V-I-A-T-O-R and I have their app and I have a login to their website as well. But I book, when I plan a lot of my own travel, I book tons of different day trips through Viator. Um, like it's, it's almost like an eBay or an Amazon of travel, uh, of different travel agencies or, um, travel providers, independent travel providers. You can book if you like when I took my daughter to London and Paris for her 13th birthday, we, I booked, you know, all our different little day trips to Monet's, um, uh, estate at Giverny in, in France. And, you know, I booked our, our tour, you know, our Louvre, um, experience, our tickets there. Like I just booked everything through Viator and there's different vendors you can choose from and you can see how they're rated and stuff like that. Do you have an app like that? That is your favorite? No, actually I don't. Um, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because, um, for a while when I was formulating my travel company, I was thinking about, you know, wouldn't it be great if there was something out there that was like Lyft or Uber, but for tours. And it sounds like this Viator might be very similar to that. Yeah, it is. I've used it in about six different countries for the last six uh, international trips that I've taken. I've booked all of our different activities through that. I used it in Scotland. I used it in London and Paris. And 
a couple of other countries I've been to since I learned about the app. So yeah, it's great. Um, and it's nice to have a third party holding these different vendors accountable and they have, you know, refund policies and things kind of like Airbnb of travel, you know, um, in terms, I mean, of like travel uh, of trips of like guided tours and things. So they just make it really easy to get um, get tickets to different things that you might need or a guide that you might need. I've, I've even booked uh, travel photographers that way. Like now, whenever I travel with my family, I hire a travel photographer and I can use those pictures in my, in the vacation effect lifestyle business. Um, so I can, part of that's tax deductible, tax deductible. So I pay this travel photographer to follow us around and take some cool photos. And I actually discovered that's a secret to getting into some of these, um, some of the best places in a city is to hire a travel photographer because they'll take you in their car to some of the prettiest places in the city that aren't the, that aren't the most crowded. You know, of course they'll take you to some of the popular ones that are crowded too, but they know the shortcuts of how to get you there and the back streets and the hidden gems that nobody else is ever going to show you. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> to get on, on the top of a crowds for a moment. Um, one thing I talk about, you know, especially in leave me alone I'm on vacation is um, it, it really has to do with sort of two different factors uh, in, in avoiding crowds. One is picking a place because there are some places obviously that are a lot less crowded than others. Um, you can go, you know, to a far distant wilderness location where there just aren't any people. That's a really easy way to um, avoid crowds. But by the same token, let's say you do want to visit a city like London or Paris or a specific site that just tends to get large crowds of people, um, that's where timing comes into play. And so the, the key there is when you decide you're going to pick a place that tends to have larger crowds is looking at things like, you know, what is the seasonal variation of people who visit? Is there an off season versus a high season versus a shoulder season and shoulder seasons tend to be a real good compromise because sometimes there's an off season for a reason. It might be, um, you know, that the weather is just unbearable. Um, I'll give you an example. We, when we came back from uh, new media summit, we visited uh, death Valley national park because we drove uh, from Colorado and back to Colorado and decided to take in death Valley. And it's, this is um, March and I would say that this is sort of the perfect time to visit the park because, um, first of all, we had a little bit of rain, and so it was nice and cool. And um, if we had waited, you know, another week or two, we actually would have had even better experience because they have these huge blooms that occur in these uh, desert uh, valleys, and these flowers just kind of pop up and then they disappear once the heat comes in, and then the of course, you have the time of year when you probably absolutely don't want to go to Death Valley, and that's uh, the summer months, just because we're talking about a place that regularly sees 115 degrees Fahrenheit, and I think it's the location where the highest temperature in the United States was ever recorded. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I think like 137 degrees or something. So, it's, it, it's about, you know, choosing the time you want to visit and, and also being aware of... Um, the kind of experience you'll have based on the time you visit. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, so basically in large cities, you're recommending that picking the right timing to go, whether it's the off season or going before the crowds get there on that, on that day, like knowing that, okay, their busiest time is between 10 and, and four. So we're going to go at 7 a.m. to before the crowds get there, or we're going to go at five o'clock after most of the crowds have left. So that is that kind of the essence of what you're saying? 
Yeah, and I, I can give you another real world example. Um, my wife and I visited uh, Croatia in 2008. And we visited this beautiful city of Dubrovnik. I don't know if you've, have you been there yourself? I Denise? did. I went there last summer. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. And so, you know, it's what a beautiful city it is. Um, and what we did is we um, basically planned to get there as early as we could, you know, almost, you know, right when the sun was coming up. So we got access to the walled city. Um, first thing in the morning, we went up and did the tour of the city wall. The amazing thing about Dubrovnik is it has this intact city wall and um you can uh, tour the top of it and it's a wonderful experience and um, we were having a wonderful time and then i think at about nine or ten in the morning we could see all of these dinghies from cruise ships heading towards us it was like an invasion of pirates and um you know it's it's just okay as nine o'clock turned into ten o'clock we just realized okay um the vibe is really changing here and then by 11 o'clock okay we're done we're gonna go back to the hotel we're just gonna chill out have a bite to eat maybe take a nap and so a big thing i i talk about in leave me alone uh is um about how you plan your day kind of out of sync with most other people you know become more of a early board, early, excuse me, early bird, if you can. And, um, you know, have the middle of the day be more like, you know, siesta time, you know, when you've got the most crowds and the hottest heat and everything, and then maybe venture out, uh, when people are having dinner is a good time to visit things like national parks. Cause, uh, you know, people are, are too busy eating and they're not going out and seeing things. Yeah, those are some great tips. And I think, you know, just kind of the recap of everything we've been talking about, and then I'll have you tell everybody about your um, free gifts that you have. Um, but what I hear you saying is that, you know, you can, no matter what's going on in the world, you can always have a love of travel. You can travel anywhere, even from the comfort of your own home through virtual travel experiences like Google Earth and visit virtual museums. And, you know, you can do staycations near your own home, even if you don't have a lot of money. Um, there's ways to easily find that out and have a great time. And then, you know, taking advantage of this technology to help you expand your travel bucket list and using Google Earth to help you track that if you want to and better refine where you really want to go. And then I love how you gave us some tips on, you know, when it's good to travel alone versus in small groups and then how to avoid crowds and find the right time to do things where you really get the best experience possible. So that we've covered a lot of great stuff. Did I, did I capture that accurately? I think that was a good summary. Yeah, I think that summary was perfect. Okay, great. Well, um, you mentioned you, uh, when we were talking before we started the recording that you had a few of uh, some free gifts for people. I think you had a couple different websites you were going to mention. Um, one of them is your website and the other one is where they can get a free digital copy of your book. Can you give us those uh, links, please, or tell us what they are? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I think the best way to reach out to me is uh, just to go to uh, my website, which is travelyourwaytoday.com, all one word. And um, there are links there, you know, where you can reach out to me or you can find me on, on Facebook. I have a Travel Your Way uh, group, travel group on Facebook as well. And, you know, just feel free to PM me or DM me. Um, and then um, the other free gift that I've got is uh, an electronic copy of Leave Me Alone and I'm, I'm on Vacation. And um, that can be found at imonvacationbook.com. And that's all one word, no apostrophes or anything else. So it's imonvacationbook.com. 
Great. Thanks so much for sharing those links. And I'll make sure those get included in the show notes for this episode as well. So for those of you that are driving right now or aren't able to write that down, don't worry, I've got you covered. It's in the show notes as always. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining me today and for a great conversation. I really enjoyed us kind of brainstorming and getting your wisdom on travel. Thank you for being with me. My pleasure. Thank you, Denise. Thank you so much. And remember, everyone, freedom is a mindset, not a destination. Until next time. Thanks so much for listening. For more information about The Vacation Effect or for details on today's show, head over to our website at vacationeffect.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.